Hello everyone thank you for tuning in for another great episode at Bits Business today with me i have a very special guest swati sani founder of iv plus network a professional network of more than 20000 plus alumni from top global universities including harvard stanford and mit amongst others a network where personally i have built some great friendships and some amazing memories in this episode we discussed her initial journey of setting up iv plus network scaling to 20000 plus members the challenges and the new business model as she adapts to bring the networking experience to an online space too i hope you will enjoy this episode hi swati thank you for being on blitz business it's a pleasure to have you here Uh, hi Ashish, thank you so much for having me uh, on your podcast. I'm very excited to uh, speak with you this afternoon. Yeah. Great, great. Uh, so I think it will be uh, good if we can have an understanding, you know. So if you can tell us a little bit about what is what exactly is IV Plus, sure. uh, and how did the idea came about? What exactly it is all about? Yeah. Sure. So I run uh, a community-based business called IV Plus Network. It's essentially a professional network of alumni from the top 40 global universities there's essentially three things we do as part of uh, this network it's a online and an offline community of about 20000 people who went to study abroad uh, come back now join uh, you know the world of uh, work in venture capital startups the development sector law government etc um, so there is an online community where people interact there's an offline community uh where we host a lot of uh, curated social and professional networking events um across india the middle east uh, and some countries in europe so that's how the alumni sort of get together that's the first part of our work uh secondly we also run a recruitment platform where uh, anyone who's interested in hiring someone who studied abroad at a top school they can get in touch with us and we help them find the right kind of uh, typically mid level talent um and finally there's something we started to do during actually the pandemic uh but that's something that's really close to my heart is that we've started running now live online programs uh for high school students on social and emotional learning needs so this includes mm-hmm. topics like entrepreneurship leadership teamwork uh um, design thinking etc um and this is something new this is something we've been doing for the last eight months but uh, exciting and growing so that's essentially what i do yeah wow So I mean, twenty thousand members. So since so for how long have you been running IV Plus, and how your journey has been like? Uh, how did you overcome the initial challenges? You know, for attracting uh, uh, right. so many members. Sure. So it's quite interesting. Actually, I'm now if I think of it, I've been running the community for six years, uh, but I'm mm-hmm. running it as a business, as a, a full time sort of venture for the last uh, three years. Uh, so when mm-hmm. I graduated from Harvard, which is 2013. I came back to India and I was broadly looking for, to connect with like-minded people when you live in a you know university town like Cambridge or London or anyone who's lived abroad would really resonate with this you get mm-hmm. really connecting with the the best minds and you know brainstorming on uh, great project ideas etc and that's what I was missing in Delhi so I really just put together one event where I brought together Ivy League alums uh, for a night of networking and drinks and all of that and that was really fun some 200 odd people showed up and you know 
it was a great night and that sort of encouraged me to keep going and people kept telling me that there is a need for this and people started reaching out to me from other cities like bombay and bangalore and then like other countries dubai london etc um and the community just kept growing by us organizing these physical meetups um and for three years that's all that i was doing on the side i mean i used to work at the world bank at the time and uh, so this is something i used to do uh, during weekends and you know just during my time off uh, I used to have a lot of fun doing organizing these events, and in the process, the community just grew to ten thousand members, um, and that's the point at which uh, you know I was just I used to run a uh, another edtech startup at the mm-hmm. at the beginning of IB Plus, and I decided to close that and focus on this because this had uh, the makings of um, you know an interesting sort of idea. It was going somewhere, and it was people were loving it, and I decided to sort of focus on it uh, full time. So really, our initial traction, everything was. organic and something i didn't really plan for in that sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean absolutely i can also vouch for i've been to many of your events and uh, when i sort of moved back to delhi from oxford i mean that was one of the key things right how do you interact with like minded people where are where, where is such sort of platforms available and i think uh, iv plus sort of fit right into the the sort of uh, segment in and i can definitely vouch for i've made great friends over the years for sure Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is what I actually just kept going because there are a lot of times in the journey I used to question what the hell am I doing? I'm I don't mm-hmm. uh, think that in my life I'm just going to be organizing, you know, uh, curated events for a very high group. But really, like the feedback of the community of how useful it was to people, not just to make friends, but even find jobs, opportunities, uh, join startups, invest in them, find a co-founder, find someone to marry. Mm-hmm. You know, that kept me going. That you know, there's Even though this was a small community, but it was solving for a lot of problems for a lot of different people. So yeah, so right, right, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, that's the key thing, right? I mean, after uh, if someone has graduated internationally, everyone is looking to connect, right, and build the network uh, for whatever purpose, from learning perspectives, funding, startup. I think, I think, really, it's it's a really great initiative, and I think you have done. fantastic job in organizing uh, uh these events uh, and this building the strong community and this sort of brings me to a very interesting question you know you mentioned about social learning and i was going through uh, your initial uh, like the initial few posts uh, in terms of you have launched something called iv young entrepreneurs so tell us a little bit about it what exactly uh, it is yeah. sure so i think uh, this is this goes back to march or april of this month when you know the the lockdown happened in india and uh, clearly we couldn't have any physical events that we've been organizing all along and also our hiring work suffered because um you know there was a hiring freeze in a lot of different companies given this uncertain mm-hmm. about the pandemic and i really thought to myself what the hell should i be doing and how do i uh, you know keep myself relevant and what can i be plus two because we can't be doing what we uh, what we have been doing so all along and um uh, interestingly actually my background academic and professional has been in education that's what i studied and worked mm-hmm. all my life and that's something i'm the most passionate about in this world so uh, i really put my mind uh, that you know this was maybe an opportunity for me to get back to the world of education work do direct work with students 
um and uh, and also combined with the fact that kids were home uh, you know schools were shut and um and beyond like the online school that kids were attending there was no other social engagement they weren't really meeting their friends mm-hmm. having any interesting conversations and i thought this could be an opportune time to um you know think of uh, online programs which are um which are interesting relevant um, for young people and in that context i conceived of two different uh, sort of programs so the first one as you rightly said is called iv young entrepreneur and the second one is called iv mm-hmm. lead which is a program focused on uh, leadership for teenage girls um and really the idea behind these programs actually is that uh pre pandemic and now post pandemic even more i think the 24 7 mm-hmm. skills that we've been speaking about all along um are becoming you know just so so important for everybody to have right like a lot of jobs uh in the next 5 years are just going to get disrupted forget 5 years i mean in the next 6 months uh, so many jobs are going to get disrupted right so when young people are thinking about their careers when young people are thinking about what to study what kind of jobs to then pursue etc i think it's so important for young people to build the skills around uh you know entrepreneurial skills which is thinking of ideas bringing your ideas to life uh, thinking of you know the ability to be able to work in a team the ability to lead the ability to follow um you know all of the you know the 21st century skills really which fall in the social emotional learning sort of space uh are is so important right now because jobs are no longer going to be structured and you you are not going to just go get a bachelor's or a master's and go apply for a consulting job and, mm-hmm. and that's it that's your life uh so much of what we see around is going to get disrupted and that's why i really thought that there was this was the right time to start training our young people on um on really this kind of disruptive thinking which is uh, that you can start in life at any any point in your life really and if you have these essential skills mm-hmm. uh, and you can build products solutions for the world if you uh, if you just you know figure out some skill sets if you just figure out how to build things for cheap if you understand the the science and the art of design thinking if you um, you know understand what does it take to really create a lead team and get something done so so that was really the broad context um, of why i decided to do these programs and then i mm-hmm. put the curriculum put together faculty and we've now actually uh, successfully done both programs in india in the middle east market which is dubai bahrain dubai saudi arabia and we're now just in the pro- Mm-hmm. actually uh, you know executing these programs in in sri lanka so i'm very excited about the idea that just in a year we wow. to design as well as the program is now going places and these are all partnerships that have happened organically and you know partners have reached out to us saying that can we bring the program to our country so so i'm excited about the potential of how much this can scale and how many young lives we can really impact these programs yeah wow so very interesting so what is your uh, sort of the target audience in the uh, this sort of particular the, in these two program are this any specific uh, children going to school or at particular age group which you are so targeting so typically it's high school students we play a little bit with the mm-hmm. age range but broadly it's between 13 to 19 years of age in india it's between 18 okay. and sri lanka we are doing 15 to 19 so high school students mm-hmm. mostly grade 9 to 12 that's really our target audience yeah okay okay and what about how did you so how how are these sort of programs being conducted through online classes i am presuming but how did you manage to sort of put together all the coursework everything sure. uh so actually the, yeah. like i mentioned earlier my training has been in education so i've done a bachelor's and a master's in elementary education where i studied curriculum design also degree in international mm-hmm. education policy so i have some understanding of 
you know, the curriculums that work in other countries, including Singapore and now Finland, etc. Uh, and my heart is all mm-hmm. in project-based, personalized, um, you know, the learning, which is which is not lecture-based, which is not where for 40 minutes someone is talking. So, uh, so, so I mm-hmm. find the curriculum for both the programs and with the, uh, you know, the single most objective that there's going to be zero lectures. So no one is uh, speaking for 40 minutes and you don't get kids to participate. Mm-hmm. So Ivy Girls Lead, for example, is an entirely project-driven, activity-driven uh, curriculum. So there's no one lecture. There's, um, you know, kids are exploring their leadership styles. Kids are exploring uh, practicing public speaking. Kids are doing, uh, working on a community project in a group together and practicing actually some of the leadership work uh, that they uh, learn through the program. Uh, similarly, in the entrepreneurship program, uh, what we've done is we've given every day, it's a two-week program, every day students have an opportunity to interact with an entrepreneur or an investor um, at an early stage mm-hmm. one or a late stage one and understanding the aspect of what, what does an entrepreneur's life really look like, you know, beyond the sexiness of raising money and all of that. Uh, you know, what does the everyday mm-hmm. of it really look like? And, you know, like, for example, we have a session on called identifying innovative ideas. So an entrepreneur calls the students on mm-hmm. uh, how do you really think of interesting ideas to start up, right? And uh, we, we do a design mm-hmm. thinking workshop in the um, in, as part of that program for students to figure once you've identified an idea, how do you, uh, you know, quickly build a prototype, which is cheap, easy, quick, and go test your product in the market, whether anybody wants to buy, etc. So, um, so, so I'm very proud, actually, if I can say so myself, of them, uh, for both <laughs> programs, because, um, you know, really what mm-hmm. one sees around is kids are so bored with online education, you know, um, mm-hmm. they don't want to put on their videos and their, uh, and that's really because, you know, they're not interactive. Uh, and you're really doing what you were doing back in school. And I think the time for education, online education, um, is now really at the time for edtech is now. But what the edtech industry uh, and schools and universities also need to realize is uh, instruction in the online sort of world will, will have to be very different than what it is in the on or in the on in the offline world. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so really, mm-hmm. uh, making a bunch of experiments and uh, holding on to kids' interest. That's really the task. <laughs> So this sort of brings, you know, a very interesting point which just came into your conversation. So so do you plan to bring this particular, these two programs in offline also? I mean, after this whole COVID pandemic stuff gets over, hopefully yeah. uh, next year probably. So do you have some sort of strategy in terms of sort of an omni-channel strategy or what are your thoughts in terms of bringing this particular, these two programs in an offline sure. space? Absolutely. See, one is open to the idea of doing these programs in the offline space and 100% if you bring a group of people together and get them to sort of engage mm-hmm. other day in, day out, uh, the effectiveness of such a program will 100% be better than just a pure online uh, program. Uh, one will also explore, I think, going ahead more hybrid programs, which might, I, which in my opinion, I think will mm-hmm. be more the future, which is a combination of uh, doing online work and offline work. So, you know, the content Correct. that kids are consuming, mm-hmm. that's very easy to do in the online. Like if you're doing a conversation with an entrepreneur, you don't necessarily have to be in the same room mm-hmm. to sort of do that, right? But if there's a bunch of stuff that you're Correct. doing on project-based work or like a community project that students are 
working on or a business plan that they're developing, then then 100% if they're in a room together in a physical uh, space and working on it together, the brainstorming and the end result of what they put together, I think will uh, be exponentially better than what one is able to achieve online. So so open to online, hybrid and offline models in the future. And, and I think at the moment, what um, while one is trying to understand how the future is uh, evolving and trying to shape it in some ways, also keeping mm-hmm. eyes and ears open mm-hmm. as to how the world is evolving, right? The pandemic could end in six months or it could this could be a way of our life uh, for the rest of our lives. So I think a lot will get determined by um, also how the world shapes up in the next uh, year or so. Yeah, That's a very interesting perspective, you know. So uh, uh, in keeping in sort of this current trend in education space, I mean, I'm sure uh, all, the, all sort of funding which is going into this particular sector from Baiju's to other companies, other startups in this space. So so what do you truly feel in terms of uh, uh, the current push in terms of online technology? I mean, as you said, uh, there will be a play between offline and mm-hmm. online both, but uh, from a perspective and as you have the right background also so uh, what do you feel is the right combination like online i mean obviously during the current mm-hmm. pandemic it sort of it has become uh, mandatory because you cannot you don't have much options going into the picture i mean and even in terms of the resources available for like internet connectivity devices availability etc how do you see this segment as a whole moving forward you know what sort of direction this particular segment you feel will be shaping up as it moves along and yeah uh, the covid led sort of technology revolution which is just which just came in you know what sure. what do you feel like with with, with this particular sure. segment so, is set up so i do think the world of education is fundamentally getting disrupted uh, like it's never been before in my opinion and that uh, and that's mm-hmm. true across age groups. Uh, the other day, you know, I was interacting with a group of teachers and, you know, what I heard was uh, the kids which are most active, uh, you know, in the online school space are grade three and four students. And they're the ones creating, you know, Zoom breakout rooms and getting together uh, for play dates with their friends um, on Zoom, etc. And just think of the mm-hmm. time when, you know, you were seven or eight years old and you were that age group. I don't think I had even uh, touched uh, uh, a laptop or even... Uh, technology right so the generation that's um yeah. facing the pandemic which the kids who've been stuck at home for mm-hmm. last eight months and technology has been their only sort of source of communicating with the rest of the world um they have adapted to this at a at a speed that you and i can't uh, imagine right so uh, so i think online mm-hmm. is here to stay um in a lot of different ways uh of course it's contextual that for younger kids uh you know their attention spans are different than kids who are in college etc and so the curriculum the formats etc for will vary according to different age groups but in general my opinion is that content like as part of your curriculum content that needs to be consumed where you know if you have to like for example if you study abroad your professors will typically ask you to go through a reading and then show up to class right and then you have a discussion in class so the idea is not that you sit in like in indian classrooms for example sometimes you read a chapter together so there's probably no need to be in a physical context and go through content together so maybe especially for older age groups you can pre-consume the content before you get together in a physical context and then once we're in the physical context i Mm -hmm. think the dialogue the collaboration the the project work the group work all of that i think that time needs to be utilized to sort of engage um, the individuals and the group so um and i think it's really uh, it is time when universities and schools will be pushed to question um 
their existence and mm-hmm. uh, how do they differentiate from say some of the players that you are uh, sort of said how is a you know school who charges x amount of fees different than a byju's if a child is able to say you know consume the same amount of content there uh, for a fraction of the cost is it just a school leaving certificate that you get at the end of the year is the uh, you know mm-hmm. is that the only reason why people will go to school so i think uh, these are fundamental questions that both schools and universities will face and and i do believe that they will innovate and they will evolve and they will figure out what their space is uh, so uh, and i do you know the one point that i would make is that i do believe that education is mm-hmm. a social act education is not an individual act where you're just sitting with a book mm-hmm. and uh, consuming everything and um, you mm-hmm. become educated in the process i think education uh, happens by making meaning and they making meaning often happens uh, by engaging with others by understanding different perspectives so um, so the the space for offline the space for engaging with others stays um said that um, mm-hmm. online really helps us get access to better teachers a lot of different teachers if you want to sit at home and learn a language or play the guitar or if you're in a small town in india you don't have access to uh, a lot of uh, you know enrichment activities interesting sort of programs now the whole world is open to you so uh, so i think uh, those opportunities do open up with the online world so uh, so this is really a landmark moment really uh, the education and the edtech space mm-hmm. yeah definitely i mean i completely uh, agree with you on this one uh, that will be definitely engagement is a key aspect of it right um, someone just cannot be right. sitting at home for example and uh, yeah interacting so this brings me to you know the very next interesting question i mean and the audience of the podcast will also be interested in knowing sort of uh, is zoom burnout real is it is it a real thing and how do you deal with it because yeah. you have so many things you have so many classes going on yeah. online everywhere uh how do you uh, manage uh, uh, so many zoom calls yeah so like this <laughs> lockdown happened in march and april i myself attended like a lot of interesting talks on zoom and ratan was addressing uh, people mm-hmm. uh, on zoom so you couldn't let go of those opportunities and you're like oh my god i'm getting access to such amazing people and all i have to do is click on a link but very quickly you know it faded out like uh, for the past 6 months i don't think mm-hmm. i've attended a single talk or a session uh on zoom and i think primarily the reason for that is um the format which is that everything is one way um mm. you know we uh, the online world needs mm-hmm. to figure out how to engage the the learner the consumer right uh if it's a i've seen in terms of my own programs as well i think uh you need to figure out what is the right amount of time like what i figured for example with school programs is students attention span typically does not last beyond 35 to 40 minutes so if you are planning an hour long please mm-hmm. know that uh, beyond the 40 minutes kids videos will start turning off and people will start going to sleep but so <laughs> i think in the times ahead there will probably also be research on how to make online education more effective uh, what is the right amount of uh, what is the right class size what is the right uh, sort of uh, you know time uh, to do a workshop is it a is it a good idea to do it in the morning in the afternoon etc uh, the length of the session mm-hmm. itself ways in which what can engage uh, the consumers i've also been part of zoom sessions which are engaging where um, you know the user uh, the the facilitator will engage the participants beyond just asking them where are you joining uh, the session today from so so 100% today as of now uh, kids are burnt out kids are bored of attending uh, you know online school i mean at least mm-hmm. all the young people that i have spoken to uh, 
uh, they're not able to follow what's happening in school they often rely on tuitions and you know all of that um but i do believe that you know the, it, it is also a tough moment for teachers who i used to teaching uh, you know in an offline world to suddenly transition to an online world but i think um uh, going ahead in the mm-hmm. next six months or so i'm sure that um uh, teachers will make more effort and schools will support them uh universities will support them to create instruction uh, which is more engaging maybe new kinds of roles will emerge right for example uh, you know universities might mm-hmm. uh, want to create roles of uh, people who can assist uh, you know professors with uh, with technology right so if you are a Uh, uh, if you taught say sociology mm-hmm. for the last forty years, and you are used to you know sort of teaching mm-hmm. in a certain way, and you might not be so uh, uh, tech savvy, uh, having someone who can professionally assist you sort of make your lectures more interactive might not hurt uh, somebody, right? So, uh, so I think some of that kind of uh, work might also emerge in the future. Yeah. True, true, true. I I completely agree with you. You know, this is this is the other aspect of the technology. You know, how do you use it? You know, what is the right way to use it? All these different aspects kicks in uh, when we are so, so much involved in technology uh, day in day out. Absolutely. So I mean, so this sort of brings me into the sort of the other segment. You know, so education definitely you 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 have a very strong background and uh, and seeing. these sort of programs are really kicking off kicking off really well but how do you uh, uh, plan to provide or do you plan to provide other sort of uh, services or program as well because i am aware uh, you met your husband uh, through this platform only and, and by the way congratulations uh, so do you plan to uh, provide matchmaking services as well or some other sort of services since uh, i mean uh, the gathering space you know the events are not happening uh, in this particular segment so do you plan to provide much more online services That's or what are your you plans ask. it's a question i've been asked for 5 years now why come on matchmaking uh i think the answer is we're not a matchmaker my success rate with matchmaking is really really poor every time i try to set up friends i uh, feel miserable uh, yeah i think uh, i mean i've uh, I've been on all spectrums around this question, which is one. I question, am I the right person to do it? I question the idea of uh, can me, can you meet really someone mm-hmm. through uh, a matchmaking service? I question maybe the stigma around uh, running a matchmaking business. I, you know, uh, thought about the commercials around how to make something like this work. And I think just like uh, going mm-hmm. through everything, my conclusion was that. uh perhaps it's worth doing but it's probably not worth uh, doing for me and it's not something i want to sort of focus my time on cuz um i've got one and uh, maybe it's maybe like you know it's like if someone some of your friend is asking for help you know you can look up through the network and say okay i can maybe connect yeah, you with sure. these people <laughs> sure. just on the side i know trying to find the right life partner is not easy uh, i also do think that it is uh, mm-hmm. one of the most important decisions that you make in life i took a long time to find the right partner for myself i literally would have mm-hmm. gone on some uh, hundreds of dates really uh, to, uh, to the oh wow i think now this, this will require <laughs> completely i think part 2 of this segment yeah. i'm really interested in really going into this segment also says <laughs> i think that uh, deciding who you marry is the most important uh, professional decision and i think it's 100% mm-hmm. true uh, i think uh, for women especially um, 
they that's true probably for mm-hmm. men too but i can speak for myself that i think having a partner who's supportive who's who's not just supportive but who's actually your biggest fan who um you know doesn't take an op- mm-hmm. leave any opportunities to up encouraging you i think uh, that's that's really mm-hmm. nice to have on your side and i think uh, in a world where um you know women deal with a lot right uh, having partner at home who supports your mm. journey uh, makes everything worth it and easier so so i i don't want to trivialize the whole thing i think uh, i can be useful to someone mm-hmm. to sort of find the right kind of person just how i did for myself i'm happy to be of help but i don't think as a business mm-hmm. it's something that i'm interested in sort of personally at this point yeah <laughs> sure sure so any so whoever is listening to this message sort to you know uh, you're looking out for <laughs> yeah <laughs> great 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 so uh, so uh, so um, sort of you know uh, so what do you what do you feel in terms of are you coming back with any events uh, in like in offline space or uh, with limited gathering because i i've started seeing like couple of places people are do starting getting out uh, with limited sort of keeping everything safety in place do you have such plans now or are you planning yeah. to covid sort of Uh, uh it's a really good question out. you ask ashish i'm like more than anyone else i just as a user of ib plus myself i miss attending organizing our events mm-hmm. so much for me we like you know like the mm-hmm. two three day events that you organize in a month in a uh, in a city they used to be so fun for me to attend like attending a wine mm-hmm. tasting or a coffee brewing or an art or a conversation with an author mm-hmm. or you know or designing a workshop etc um i mean i essentially started organizing these events because i wanted to attend this kind of stuff and it didn't it didn't exist in delhi right so and i thought i would create all the opportunities that mm-hmm. i want to attend myself right so so i'm really missing missing i want to emphasize uh, the fun uh, you know curated experiences that we've organized all these years having said that i've been thinking about uh, the the specific question you asked in the last few and my thought is ashish i think at this point is socially responsible thing to do mm-hmm. as much as i would love us to sort of get people together back mm-hmm. in the room uh, i think one person 1% chance mm-hmm. of uh, you know someone uh, getting infected with covid because of uh, attending one of our events um, not something i want to live with so mm-hmm. so i would probably postpone mm-hmm. uh, sort of organizing events for a while see how the world sort of shaping up we did mm-hmm. organize a few online events early on uh, you know it's the april and may and uh, i personally wasn't as fulfilled mm-hmm. attending these events i mean at what that i was myself bored and i mm-hmm. i just thought i can't get, get people to attend but uh, <laughs> i'm not myself interested which is why i principally decided that till the point i myself uh, feel engaged with, uh, you know doing something i don't want to sort mm-hmm. of do that for my family so uh but perhaps if you know covid is the way to be like for the next year even maybe more online sort of meetups is the way uh something i've been thinking about and i thought about sort of circulating it in the community to check if that's something people would be excited about so as you know we also organize getaways right so i thought yeah that what if one was to mm-hmm. organize a small curated getaway um somewhere out of the city maybe to the mountains or uh, rajasthan etc get a tested before get everybody tested mm-hmm. uh, after 
um, you know, book an entire space. Like I've done a few holidays in the last eight months, which is just us uh, and our friends traveling, and we all got ourselves tested before and after. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of like make the whole travel experience mm-hmm. safe. You book the entire space. You know who's part of maintaining the space, mm-hmm. etc. That's something I thought of, and I thought that it's relatively safer than organizing. Uh, events but i want to think through every sort of aspect of it i definitely wouldn't want to put people's lives at risk uh, just uh, for the opportunity uh, of having some fun so so at the moment the answer is not at the moment you know, uh, not the moment <laughs> Makes, I mean, it makes sense. Definitely, make makes sense. You know, I mean, every each of us is sort of waiting to get out. You know, uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, safety always. You know, yeah. uh, I'm really confident. I think the day we organize an event, once all this is over, five hundred people are going to get together in a room. Everyone is done. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, definitely, there will be a sort of big pent up demand for this. I mean, yeah. you will see definitely a lot of traffic coming in, uh, and. Uh, Uh, yeah. myself you know i'm eagerly waiting <laughs> i've yeah. always enjoyed these yeah. events thoroughly yeah. so cool. yes 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 mm-hmm. makes sense so uh, yes uh, so to conclude you know i just want to wrap up you know i mean it has been tremendous uh, uh, it's a tremendous you know what initiative you have done starting from scratch everything uh, so what sort of uh, mm-hmm. suggestions you have someone you know if someone is starting looking to start a business a startup because since you have interacted with mm-hmm. so many people uh, you have you know the sort of initial sort of struggle yeah. of setting up any sort of business you know what do you particularly recommend or if i can sort of flip the question other way around what would you have done differently <coughs> if you were starting now so sort of like so what do you sort uh, of suggest i mean i'm no startup guru really i'm just a business owner who likes doing what she <laughs> does uh I think the few things I can say uh, mm-hmm. for anyone interested in sort of starting out is number one. I think it's very important to be passionate about what you do. Uh, have a lot of fun creating what you are doing, what you're creating for the world. I think just uh, solving mm-hmm. for a problem that needs to be solved for, but that doesn't personally fulfill fulfills you, uh, is probably not the wisest thing to do because um, startups are hard, and you know it's a mm-hmm. lot of work and. Uh, Um, and yes. there's, you know, there are many points in your journey. You'll question why the hell are you doing this, and why the hell are you not in a job with a stable income? Yes. And mm-hmm. I think uh, passion about what you do mm-hmm. probably keeps you going. So that'd be number one. I think number two will be. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of people in the world, and with all kinds of risk capital. And I think it's very important to sort of mm-hmm. be honest to yourself and uh, ask what is your risk appetite. Can you say, for example? what kind of savings do you have what kind of uh, money would you want to spend invest in your business uh is venture capital something that you're mm-hmm. interested in or are you interested in uh, sort of running a hundred soul um you know run business by you um uh, i think asking yourself mm-hmm. some of those questions and being honest to yourself about it is important uh you know and doing the hard talk for example you mm-hmm. might be interested in raising capital but you might have control issues you don't want others to the show uh but you really don't get both mm-hmm. sides of the pie so um yeah i think those would be the other set of questions i would say one should think about uh just when you're starting out uh and finally ask yourself i think uh, do you want to create a startup just uh, what what are your goals really uh you know with starting a company if it's uh, making money and you know creating something by the rule book that follow that in my case for example i've been running a company which is very unconventional there's not uh, no rule book out there as to Startups who are doing this in the world, and I could follow mm-hmm. what others have done. 
uh, in that case, get comfortable with the ambiguity and mm-hmm. you know, uh, with the rules really uh, being there. And just trust your gut and keep creating for the world. So, um, uh, so yeah, really, just ask again. Like I think all of this really points to more self-reflection and know uh, what kind of individual or what kind of entrepreneur are you and what are you comfortable with. And finally, I think what's really important to remember for all entrepreneurs is that. Uh, a startup is not an NGO. It is your job to uh, make money. It is your job to pay salaries. It is your job to sort of keep your cost control. Uh, and my personal sort of suggestion and my personal uh, leading is to uh, get to profitability as soon as possible. Work in your team. Create mm-hmm. high product, mm-hmm. high quality products. Uh, that's my personal preference. I don't think uh, that's true for everyone out there, and I don't judge. But uh, uh, um, my model isn't to scale before mm-hmm. uh, knowing what you're creating for the world, and uh, so that's just who, who what my preference is. For others, it can be scale, uh, which can sometimes come at the cost of quality. So, um, so yeah. So I think everything I'm pointing towards is uh, towards self-reflection and really asking what kind of uh, business mm. do you want to create for the world mm-hmm. what would f- fulfill you how much cash in the bank do you want uh, how big a team does the, are you comfortable sort of working with handling it uh, what kind of life do you want to have uh, and you want to be working 65 days a year do you want to have more flexibility with your time um, yeah so I think uh, the more mm-hmm. amount of uh, self-reflection you can do early on uh, the better your journey is uh, and less disappointment I guess you'll have uh, yeah yeah Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, these are um, some very, some very good points, Hathi, in terms of, you know, you definitely need to have passion in the business, whichever you're starting, because ultimately, if you're, if you have other objectives in mind, it will definitely run out. You know, the, the strength, the mental strength, uh, the, the ability to, you know, uh, get up every day and do the same thing again, again, for sure. So I think passion is definitely a very key aspect of running businesses uh, if you really want to be in it for a long haul and and the second you know the valid point which you just mentioned in terms of the risk appetite right everyone has a different risk appetite uh, it totally depends how much someone is willing to in terms of cash investment someone is willing to put or how one one particular piece which I have seen till now is how good you're able to manage the rough patches in your journey so that becomes a really defining moment of how uh, successful, unsuccessful, whatever it may be, uh, you can be. So I think, yeah, I think it all sort of boils down yeah. to self-reflection at the end of the day, how you're running business, uh, um, what are the metrics, objectives, KPIs you're looking after. Uh, and definitely, the, this is a very key point we just mentioned in terms of profitability versus uh, scaling out early, having a high burn it in the initial years. Yes, definitely. I mean, it totally depends on business to business, objective to objective, product service which someone is selling. But yeah, that's a very key point, you know, in the beginning uh, as an entrepreneur, uh, we or anyone starting now should be very clear of, you know, what are these, uh, which model you are much more comfortable in, uh, what are your goals uh, and how much time and how can you deal with sort of the rough patches in the journey. I think uh, 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 very well sort of uh, uh, pointed out, Swati, uh, I think it will be of definitely immense help to the uh, audience who's listening to the podcast. And I think uh, I'd like to say thank you so much. Uh, it, it has been a pleasure to have you here. And I got to learn definitely so many new things from in the education sector to how you have established this particular business um it was just wonderful listening to you uh and understanding you know 
uh, a business which sort of as you mentioned you know which doesn't have any rule book and how you're sort of defining it uh as yeah. as thank you so much i had so much journey. fun chatting with you and uh, this is uh, this is a blast so thank you again for having me on this thanks Ashish. thank you thank you so Thank you everyone for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh we will be back with more interesting episodes soon. Stay tuned.